everybody, and welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. This adventure-filled episode features Chris Gramlich. I've actually known him, um, maybe not in person so much, but via email, uh, mostly through his work with Exclaim Magazine. He's uh, been a journalist for several years, and um, yeah, he's interviewed me before. Um, we've corresponded via email. I've probably known Chris for over 10 years, I'm going to say. So he's also um, a singer in a bunch of extreme hardcore bands. His newest band, Ancrest, is the focus of uh, this evening's episode, so uh, we'll be talking about that. Also, trying to do something fun and different, and Chris provided to us a mixtape, you know? just basically a bunch of songs he's into, and we talked about that too. The mixtape will be available on the Mixcloud uh, platform as a companion to this episode. Before we get going, I want to run through the list of sponsors. Of course, there's Savage Gold Coffee, which is my coffee company. We added soap. We have a Savage Gold soap, which we added to the um, mix of uh, different products that are available on savagegoldcoffee.com. Datsusara for your hemp gear. Own one of those bags. Got a bunch of stuff from Datsusara. Heavily recommend them. Last but not least, we have Onnit for total human optimization. Check out Onnit. You can get to Onnit and Datsusara from the Everything Went Black Media website. You just go to the portal, click through, and uh, purchase away. I'd like to thank everyone who's been leaving reviews. We like reviews, so go ahead and continue doing that if you feel so inclined. If you want to get at me on Twitter, go to at MikeHillHQ. You can like us on Facebook. And if you want to check out my Instagram, it's Mike underscore Hill underscore Primate. All right, so the last time I ran into you was in Toronto, and uh, you were singing in a band called Villapend. So what happened to that band? Um, Villapend, uh, well, it's it's like uh, you told me many years ago, man. Some bands only have uh, so much life in them. Uh, Villapend had seven years, and that was that. And, uh, you know, put out a record on A389, uh, toured the States a few times, couple members didn't want to do it anymore didn't want to like kind of it kind of looked like we were about to jump to the next level we were talking to some booking agents like look you know lower level booking agents but booking agents nonetheless you know not doing our own booking type stuff and it was just kind of like they were like well i don't want to spend most of the year on the road so we lost a lost our guitarist then our drummer and we tried to you know fill those positions but it's you know at that point, it was pretty much done. Yeah, that's tough. And then, man. And, then uh, and then we just kind of uh, went our separate ways. So it was like we got close enough pretty much just to touch where we could, you know, maybe one day go on real tours with like, you know, uh, some of the heavier underground, bigger underground bands and and kind of we're seeing that and we're kind of getting some traction with the record and the video and some notoriety. And then it's just kind of like, this is kind of the worst time to stop actually. <laughs> yeah, no, man, it's a heartbreaker sometimes, but, uh, but I mean, it's like, it's, you know, it's like you told me years ago when I interviewed you, uh, for Anodyne and you said, you know, I, f I forget what band we we're talking about, but we we're like, some bands only have a certain amount of life in them. Yeah. You and, know, uh, that's something I've always kind of that changed my view on a lot of bands and how I view this. So, and people in bands and, and whatnot. So it's made me a little more philosophical about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you instead know, instead of angry and bitter. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there are bands out there that just keep grinding away, and it's like maybe they should have broken up like a few years ago instead of and gone and done something new. I mean, um, you know, there's there's a a lot of. Um, you know, sort of valor and knowing when to call it quits and do something else rather than just keep going forward. Oh yeah. Especially now in like the age of the reformation, it, it, it drives me nuts because there are so many bands reforming and it's like, so, so many people get excited about it. And I mean, music's subjective. You like what you like, but and to me, there are so many other good bands out there just killing themselves, trying to like, you know, playing, playing to no one. And you're like excited and you're super excited about the Misfits reunion. It's like, yeah, sure. Misfits reunion's exciting and all, but you know, 
Yeah, I've been listening to those songs for like what, forty years, thirty years, something like that. Or they've been playing them. So I don't. You know what I'm saying? It's like every band, every hardcore band that ever even played a show is is reforming now, and it's just kind of like I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I share that um, sentiment. Um, people are people can do whatever they want, of course, and if people are going to pay to go see like whatever Revelation hardcore band that played three shows back in the day, then, you know, cool, I guess. But, I mean, nostalgia is a hell of a drug, man. It's emotional heroin, and I think a lot of people are hooked on it. It never quite lives up, though, I think, like when you go see a band. Yeah, it's like it's it's not, it's not like if Dead Guy reunited and, and you know, played somewhere. Hey, I'm not going to see them in a Buffalo Legion Hall where some kid gets his head cracked open with a bass by accident. You know, like, it's never going to be that. And, you know, I'm glad, I'm just glad Dead Guy haven't reunited. That's like, I'm just like, please never reunite. As much as, you know, they're one of my favorite bands ever. I'm just like, there's some bands that should not reunite. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And this, you know, and touching on what you were saying earlier, some of the iconic bands like Misfits, like, it's kind of cool, you know, but they're not in open competition with like, you know, bands like, you know, that are like sort of on our level, like slugging it out. Oh, sure. There's different, there's definitely different levels. I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, Misfits was probably a bad example, but you know, and like, like there's like every hardcore band that, you know, you've that like toured once in the nineties is now reuniting as well. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the worst things is like when there's no original members, there's like one guy or like one, (laughs) one dude. The drummer is the original member. You're like, Oh, yeah, I'd just rather watch like some some new bands. I'd rather watch something new, or I'd, I'd rather watch people from those bands doing new things, like not necessarily rehashing stuff. Yeah, agreed. Like I uh, see one one of the things I always liked about the All Out's failed uh, reunions was that they were always writing new material. So I'm like, it's cool. They they like they like, would get back together for this is hardcore every year, every other year, but they're like being EP or seven inch or or something, you know, they weren't just like, yeah, we're going to come out and play that one record we wrote back in uh, 97 for you guys. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things, man. I was thinking about it earlier and it's like, you know, these, these things impact people at a certain time in their lives when they're like open to, you know, like if you see dead guy, let's come back to dead guy. If you see dead guy, when you're like a teenager or young in your twenties, you know, they changed hardcore for me and for a lot of people, I'm sure for you yeah, definitely. too. And, and you know, cause I was open to it. I didn't like, if I saw dead guy at my age, after all I've done now, could they even have that same effect? So, you know, it's like a lot of people that's, I get, that's why they go to the reunions. Cause it, it brings that back. Right. But but the same token, it's like, yeah, it's it's. I think it's kind of out of control because it's like, you know, every band, literally every band, is is reuniting from like the '90s now that played a Legion Hall. One of the, uh, one of then the again, only... you know, people can do whatever they want, right? It's not up to me, but the uh... I feel like Buzz Osborne of hardcore, where I just <laughs> jaded and talk shit, but. But in a funny way, hopefully, so people don't hate me. Yeah, I mean, Burn has uh, gotten back together again, but they they have new material out, and they're actively writing new material. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I, like I, I'm 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 pro that. I'm pro you, like you know. And when Faith and War even got back together, I was kind of like, yeah, I was excited, but I was like, yeah, well, eh, they're gonna play all these records I have, and then you know they wrote some new a new record, and sure, it's not the greatest, but hey, they wrote a new record and. They were like, okay, this is where we are, and we're going to try to, you know, be Faith No More again and not just go out and do, like, the nostalgia tour where we play, like, the hits to the, you know, to the people who are who want it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, I we just played with Dillinger twice up here, and it was kind of like, uh, I think the second show we played with them was, like, August 5th. That was, like, right when they announced... A, it was when they announced the new record, but B, when they announced that they were, they were gonna go on quote unquote hiatus after this record, right? Yeah. And uh, it's kind of it's it's admirable in a lot of ways. Although I mean, they've been together forever, 
and have two original, well, one original member, but I guess you could call, <laughs> since Greg's been in the, the band longer than Dimitri, you could call him an original member at this point. But, you know, they're kind of, go, they're like deciding to quit while they're arguably on top, which you rarely ever see yeah. in, in anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Whether it's sports or music or life, you know. And uh, that, that's quite, I find that quite interesting because obviously, you know, like Ben's going to keep playing and I'm sure Greg is going to keep playing and, and everything. And, you know, the everyone, Dillinger arguably the biggest I've ever been right now, you know. Yeah, I, I um, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't really paid, you know, sort of followed their career the last like 10 years. I mean, yeah, had... I just find it really entertaining, uh, not entertaining, really interesting that like, you know, while every other band is is reuniting under the sun, they're like, you know what? We had a good run. We're just going to put it to bed for a while. I'm like, yeah, it's interesting, you know. But they're also at a level of notoriety where, you know, the members can go and do other things and people will care, of course. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and Greg already has other stuff he's been working on over the years, too. So he's been involved in a yeah, lot and, of projects. Yeah, and Ben did, just did the draft tongue orchestra thing at the super band with the dude from Mastodon and Allison Chain singer and all that. So not Lane Staley, of course, but, uh, the guy who sounds just like Lane Staley that they <laughs> found somewhere to play the, play in the band. Yeah. Who's not, who's not Lane Staley. And it's, it's weird, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they all have stuff going on, but you know, I don't know. I don't know where I got off that. I just find it like, you know, a lot of bands are like getting together because they didn't get a peak or they didn't get to go out during their peak or when people would care, you know, like it's like that refuse things where, where refuse broke up while on tour because they were playing to like, you know, three people in coffee shops and then shape of punk drops and it gets huge. And then like 20 years later they reunite. Of course. I mean, of course, in the process, betraying every principle they ever had, but you know, you can see the temptation because it's like, you know, they definitely missed their window and then people cared afterwards. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the way it goes, man. I don't really have any, I don't feel any, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any, any, any sort of empathy for, for them because it's like, you shouldn't have quit. You should have kept going. And then you, maybe you could have, uh, you missed your window, man. It's just the way it is. There's lots of things in life where you, you try, you try, you try, and then like you break up and then like, suddenly that's the thing that everyone wants to hear and unfortunately your life changes and you're somewhere else and that's kind of in disingenuine you know yeah i mean i i agree with you i'm not i didn't feel sad for them like 20 years later reuniting and yeah you know making money if that you know and betraying like basically everything they ever said i wasn't like yeah it's awesome but you know people wanted to see it because they because the, people didn't get to see it so well, I don't know. Didn't they also have another band? Just, they had that uh, international noise conspiracy band too. After that, right? Yeah, they, they had the the Ink, and I think uh, Buddy had back in the day put out like a record featuring featuring everyone that wasn't Dennis, but it, I don't think it did much. I can't remember what they were called then. But uh, I don't know it just ties back in. It's like a lot of people. It's just I don't know people. I guess finding new things that are awesome. It's so easy, <laughs> and yet. I don't know. People, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. People are just weird, I guess. People are just hooked on nostalgia. It just seems really out of control right now to me. Well, you have a new record out and a new band and all this other stuff, so let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> After I just talk shit about everyone, be like, screw every band that reforms for not sticking it out. Yeah, like I, I would probably never reform Villa Pen. Not that we were ever at a stage where I think we could make money or anything like that. Just, you know, just because of principle. It's like it, it ended. It did not end the way I wanted, but it ended. Like if I have a final show or do whatever, you know, it's like, sure, I can, I guess, have that, have some sort of closure in a way. But I don't know. It just, it all seems dumb to me. Even bands announcing final shows and tours in a way seems kind of not i don't i don't know it's like hey we're gonna break up but after we do this tour well if if you're gonna break up just break up yeah you know what i mean like 
it's cool, I guess, if you want to give everyone a chance to see you again or whatever, but that's like, you don't like each other or you want to go do other things, so just fucking do it, right? It also seems like um, like a little bit of a hubris to um, assume that everyone wants to see you one last time, too. I mean, it's like... Oh, damn it. Oh, damn. Yeah. Hey, no. You'd be good or you go in the crate. I may have to put the dog in the crate. But uh, definitely is a ton of hubris that, like, we're so big and important that, you know, this is your last chance to catch us, you know? That's the thing about, like, <laughs> like final shows and final tours. It's like, ah... I don't know. It also like I think it cheapens the experience too. Like, you know, say you say you caught refused back in the nineties when they toured with Ink and Dagger and they were probably untouchable. And you go see them now and it's like it's like old men playing at being angry. It's it's always a disappointment, man, because it's like I mean you know, here in New York there's tons of bands, tons of fantasy like hardcore dudes out here who Oh yeah, songs. I mean New York's probably rife with it because of just like the absurd number of of bands. Yeah, but I mean, there's also like this real insular. I mean, I'm I'm not you know remotely part of this, but like there's like this insular, self congratulatory thing here where everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, you know, Cheer Terror is like such an important band that they have to exist today in 2016, and uh, I just. You know, there's like this endless cycle of like recycling everything. Even though they make new material, it's like how much our actual heart and soul is put into that material. You I know? think there's a lot of that in, uh, I hate to say that in hardcore and aggressive music. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of people playing at, at being angry at the world or trying to, trying to remember what it felt like, you know. And, but, you know, there's a lot of genuine emotion, too, of course. And I don't think, and age doesn't, I don't know if age factors into it as much as people think. But, you know, it, it's definitely something I've, I've, I've noticed. Not, I don't want to name any names after I've named everyone, but, you know, it's like, look at Converge. They're this legendary hardcore band, right? Some and people say, some people say that. Some people will say that, yeah. I, I'm not one of those, but some people will say that. I, I think they're an incredible band, and I think they've made some incredible albums. I don't think they've made some incredible al albums in a couple of years, and I don't know if they can because I, I, you know, like Jake's successful now, and Kurt's successful, and Ben is successful. It's like, what are you rallying against? What's your anger? Where's your anger coming from? You know, it's like, it's it. You know, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm never going to accuse them of playing. You know, trying to pretend that they're angry or anything but it's like a lot of bands they they like they get into it and they get into a certain style and a certain vocal or certain lyrical style and then they just uh you know after a while it's it's all they know even if they don't know the gen the, the emotions anymore because your life changes right like absolutely you know, not yeah. everyone is an angry individual forever but you know if, if your fans really are into that <laughs> You know, you're trying to, like, give it to them, I guess, in a way. And I don't know. I see a lot of it. Uh, and Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like there's a shelf life for a lot of that stuff. It's like things really only should last a certain period of time. And, I mean, I know, like, you know, there's a cottage industry around Converge and, you know, their whole operation. And, uh, you know, there's people that make money off of them and depend on them for their livelihood and all that sort of stuff. And that's cool. But, like... I never really bought into their trip and like I've never been a fan and that stuff never really touched me the way other bands have. And furthermore, it's like, right. I don't think like, like I, I don't feel comfortable being involved in hardcore, you know, in my forties, you know what I mean? I mean, it just doesn't seem like some, I feel like I moved on into like doing some other thing and feeling other okay. emotions and oh, I totally, I hear you, man. you know, expressing myself in a different way. And, and it's just, but, you know, I've never had the uh, the luxury of success the way some other people have. So, for me, I can move in and, and out of the know, shadows. Not to kiss your ass or anything, but that's a shame, man, because I've always been a huge fan of what you've done, and oh, whether it was thanks. Andine or Tombs or whatever. Yeah, well, thanks. But, uh, and I think, you know, I, I think it's generally really not appreciated to the level that it should be, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it is what it is, but also it's like, you can't really do it for that. And ex I mean, everyone, I mean, I'm sure even the most successful people out there are not successful enough if they are chasing that. Well, you had, 
Well, what, you had Dave Mustaine crying that he wasn't as successful as Megadeth, but yeah. he's still like, how many millions of records did he sell? It's like insane, right? Yeah, totally. You know, but, it's, it's I like... mean, there's probably something to that that keeps you honest in your art, you know, like for you or for me or, or whatever. You got to have things on the outside too. I mean, it's like you can't, I mean, I don't think I'd want to be, I, I wouldn't want the band to be my job. I like, I have other things that I do for a living and yeah, other, definitely. And even within that, I have other things that make me happy that are not music. And those things make me a broader person. And I think that I can continue probably a lot longer making music if that's not the sole pursuit that I have, you know? So I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, but I think it comes down to, it all comes back to what you said, man. It's like bands only have so much in them. And I guess some bands haven't figured out that it's over yet but they still only have so much in them and then it's you know then the music just doesn't move yeah move me the same way yeah and but what's cool though is there are bands like neurosis though who at one you know they, they kind of take these long i mean actually this last two records came out pretty quickly but they don't put pressure on themselves in a way that certain career-minded bands do and i think that's why they continue to create great music because Oh, definitely. That's, yeah. Well, they've always they've always done things. Definitely. I mean, it's there's a cliche of doing things their own way, but if anyone can be uh, lauded for that, it would it would be neurosis, right? Yeah, totally. And that's that's like I think a healthy a healthy sort of outlook on things. I mean, you know, always try to do your best, but also it's like you got to keep the, the the neurons firing. Like you got to keep doing new things and sort of extending yourself into different territories so that you're not bored. And like you're not doing something that's just like this comfortable thing. And I think that keeping that comfort level like always on its toes, I think, is really the key to like success in these things and being creative, you know? Yeah. I mean, neurosis are their own almost force of will at this point. Yeah. I mean, their own style of music, really, you know, in my opinion. But uh, that many people have tried to emulate. Yeah. So with uh, with Ancress. Like, is that more of a continuation of Villapend? Like, how do you, how do you, how does that fit into the continuum of all this stuff? Um, Anchor, actually, it's kind of weird because, uh, it's one of those, you never know how much you need to do something until it's taken away. So Anchor's broke up, or sorry, not Anchor's, Villapen. Villapen broke up. And, uh, I guess for about a year, year and a half, I, I wasn't in a band and didn't have the, after being in a band for seven years and bands since high school or since I was 16 and all that. And I was, you know, at first we're like, oh, okay, good. Like I don't have to go to rehearsal three times a week and I have extra money and, and all that. But, and then, you know, after a couple months, I guess certain people just have it in them. They have a drive. Like you got to do this or you'll be miserable. And uh, I found out the hard way that I was like, if I don't do something, I am a fucking miserable human being. And uh, more miserable than usual. Like most people would probably say. Um, and I, uh, I just started looking, just started looking. There's Toronto, you know, has a lot of good bands, um, that have come and gone. And, uh, one of them were a band, uh, one of them was a band called Titan, uh, yeah. the Canadian Titan, not the other Titan. And, uh, their guitarist, uh, Brandon had, uh, kind of in the same boat where Titan had kind of, uh, you know, Done. It was like kind of us and Titan in, I guess, the aggressive hardcore scene in Toronto for a couple of years, like as as some of the bigger bands, like not big, but whatever, like, you know, Villapen and Titan would always, you know, play shows or be the supporting act for, you know, a touring band or whatever. Right. And uh, so I called. So they when we both actually kind of fell apart at the same time. So after after some life stuff, which saw me. Uh, you know, relocate and then relocate back to Toronto. I uh, called Brandon and I was like, well, I called a couple people and I was like, yeah, you want to riff or jam or I don't know, whatever term the kids use today. And they were like, no, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, I'm too busy. And I'm like, oh, okay, really? Could, that hurt the ego a bit. I was like, oh, I thought, you know, you'd be into it, but whatever. And then uh, I, you know, just uh, on a whim, I Facebook messaged Brandon one day. And I was like, you know, dude, what you, what you doing musically? He's like, oh, I'm trying to get this going with someone and this going and 
but it's not really happening. And then I was just like, well, you want to you wanna get together and see if anything is anything? And he was like, yeah. And then uh, so Brian and I kind of just started uh, hanging out on the old, you know, back into the both going back into the, you know, the stinky basement jam room full, full of broken hopes and dreams. You know, that smell, you know, that jam room, jam oh, yeah. building smell. Sure. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows it, you know, it's like stale beer and, and broken hopes and faded dreams um, and marijuana. And uh, yeah, I don't know. To me, we it's the smell of, of victory. We, we had no, no agenda, no plan. It was just like basically him and I were kind of in the same boat where we were like, we were both kind of in our lives, very uh, miserable, not doing, having a creative outlet musically. And uh, kind of just, it kind of started evolving from there. Like uh, we were working on some stuff and I was like trying to just, you know, find a drummer. Fucking drummers are always so hard to find. They are. And, <laughs> and they're always in five different bands. And, uh, and, and then, so we had basically, long story short, we were, uh, we had uh, Brandon, myself, and our drummer Tuca, and we were actually like, just like, fuck it, we're going to record, right? We were not, you know, I asked uh, some people if they want to play bass, and everyone's playing in other bands or we're busy or whatever, and we had all these songs, and we we're just like, fuck it, we're going to go record. Like, we, we had all these plans that are coming to fruition now that we kind of had at the beginning and we're like well brandon you can play bass on the record right and he's like yep i'm gonna go okay then and then uh we just locked into a, a bassist our bassist scott and he's a credible musician probably the best bassist i've ever played with and that's not a knock against any other bassist he's just really good he might be the best musician i've ever played with or one of and uh yeah it kind of like formed just out of pure like pressure <laughs> because we were like putting deadlines on things because that's how you get shit done. Like you, you want to record. Okay. Set, set, you know, write your songs and then set a deadline and book the studio. You know, you'll get your shit together. Absolutely. Or, or, or you'll fail. <laughs> I guess those are your two options. Yeah. But usually when, you know, if everyone's on the same like-minded sort of scenario, once you start putting, uh, yeah, you put the, you put these deadlines together. It seems like a lot of people come together and do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's I think that's what a lot of bands a lot of bands fear deadlines and or like even self-imposed ones and it's like you need them. You need them to do stuff. Or, you know, you'll just end up rehearsing the same set of songs forever. Like we had a plan that uh you know, we were going to do four EPs and it was going to be conceptual and we wanted to have, you know, the first couple out by a certain time and we wanted to go and record by this time. So, you know, it's like, and we had the songs. We obviously wrote all the songs first before putting the deadlines in place. Yeah. Um, but once you got the songs, it's like, what are you waiting for? You know, it's like, just, just go do it. And, uh, yeah, so it wasn't an extension of Villapen at all. It was more just an extension of, uh, realizing that I needed to, a creative outlet in order to, uh, you know, help me deal with, uh, the world, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, same with, and Brandon was very like-minded in that, uh, he, you know, he was also like, since his band Titan ended was, he was very not as people were like, wow, Brandon's really like down and Brandon's like the best dude ever. And he's like, yeah. I wouldn't say he's happy to lucky at all, but he's a good dude. And people were like, Brandon, you're never like bummed out or pissed off or, or whatever. And he's like, I know. And, but that was like a time where he, he just didn't have a band. So it was kind of just kind of like grew out of the need to do it more than anything, I think. And I just found a, a very kindred spirit in Brandon, luckily who played guitar. And then, uh, you know, stumble, uh, stumbled upon, uh, Tuca, our drummer and, uh, Scott, our bassist. And, that's that. Yeah. They I mean, they're not really, they're really not like offshoots of any of our bands or anything we've done before. It's kind of a, if anything, it's kind of like the opposite where we're like, okay, remember all those mistakes we made in our other bands? <laughs> Let's not do those again. You know? Well, that's, like a, that's every, a... every lesson we learned, why don't we actually try to apply it? You know? 
Yeah. You know, well, the operative here is just, uh, you know, of course, whenever you stop doing something that you really love doing, you're going to be miserable. And I guess the operative is to not stop doing the things that you want to do. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of those you don't realize you love it until it's gone. And I think Villapan did become a lot like uh, not a job because we weren't making any money at it. But like a lot of work was put into it with a lot of rehearsing and a lot of, of, of stuff. And maybe at the time you don't appreciate it. And I think a lot of people probably do that in bands where they just they're so they put their head down and they got their blinders on and they're just like, you know, trying to get this show or that show or, or write or, or play or whatever, whatever they're trying to do. And they don't realize it at the time. And then they stop and they're like, I am fucking miserable without this outlet, you know? And, and that's kind of what, what, what I was. And I think, you know, and I know Brandon was in the same position and that's kind of what it grew out of was just two people who were like, we need to, do something and you know maybe it'll work maybe so um this record label that you guys put this out on i'm not familiar with them like how did how do you guys connect with that um it's actually it's actually brandon's label so okay. that was a, an easy sell uh hypothetical and uh him and uh this dude named chris woodford who was also in titan uh, they basically ha put the label together like a couple years ago when Titan was still active, and uh, it put out they put out some really good records. Like they put out, uh, they probably been you probably know Ram Lord. They're from New York. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I played with them back in the day. You put that record out. Put out a lot of good things. They put out a record by this band called Old in Toronto with an E, and that's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of love and attention attention in the stoner uh, like big you know stoner rock uh doom scene and uh specialty doom label just signed them i can't remember what the specialty doom label is called but whatever that's neither here nor there so yeah so uh you know we we i signed it around to some people and some people seemed to, to dig it the record but you know we're a new toronto band and we had like an ep so I think a lot of people liked it, but they weren't going to throw money at us to, or even distribute it. And, you know, out of the gates, if you will, like when you have, you know, when you haven't, when you've been together for like six months, six to eight months and haven't done a tour and you're like, Hey, do you want to put out my record? You know, I think people are wary, especially today. Cause you know, it's a lot, of, it's, a, it's the easiest time ever to record and get out music, but for a label, it's the worst time ever, you know, yeah, there's monetarily a lot of, in, in selling music. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of obstacles that for labels. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Hypotherial is a, it's a vinyl only label, so that helps a lot. And, uh, yeah, that, so we basically just decided that if we didn't connect with, anyone you know and we probably wouldn't on our first release we were being very realistic that we might have to put it out ourselves or on brandon's label and uh that's kind of what we're doing but um you know as i said learning from mistakes past you know i've hired a, a publicist you know and uh <laughs> hold on Har and uh you know working on Canadian radio with another, with some other people and, you know, just trying not to repeat the same mistakes. You know, if you just put out an album out there these days, it's like, there's so much stuff, good and bad, that, you know, just gets lost in a sea. So, um, you know, this is like a, it's a vinyl only label, but so is there like a, like a, like a band camp kind of scenario where people can download the digital copies? Oh yeah. It'll, it'll come with a digital download and you'll be able to download the, the record directly. If you hate vinyl or don't have a player or whatever from uh, either our band camp or the labels band camp. Once it's released on November 18th. Um, so yeah, well, it's going to be available. I mean, we also like didn't done some limited stuff. There was a limited tape run with download. And oh, nice a limited art booklet with lyrics in uh, the Beksinski art and stuff, which hopefully won't get sued over. But, uh, was there any yeah. cop copyright issues with some of the artwork? Is that what it is? Um, well, not in the record. 
the record is uses uh, all original artwork by this uh, really amazing, talented artist. Uh, his name's Alex CF. He's out of England. He used to be in Fall of Ephephra uh, and Lightbearer and a couple other bands. And his art is generally amazing. So he's doing all the art for uh, all. I mean, both LPs, but originally it was going to be four EPs, but, you know, our dollar's in the toilet, so it turned into two LPs versus four EPs, and uh, he did all the art, and it's breathtaking and amazing. That's the art you probably have seen, but, you know, in some of the earlier stuff, like the tape and the and the the booklet, yeah, we used uh, Beksinski's art, and but it's so limited, I'm like, anyone will even notice. Do you have... Hopefully, do you, is there anything else on your Bandcamp yes. as uh, right now? Like, if you were to go to your Bandcamp page, are there any demos or you know other types of recordings on there? No, actually, it's kind of weird because we uh, we didn't do any demos. We didn't. Uh, we just kind of like, yeah, our first release is a is a full full length album, and uh, you know, no demos, no uh, anything. We just. As I said, it was going to be like a four EP uh, kind of quadrilogy thing. Very, very concept heavy, and it just became financially not feasible. So uh, it became a two LP, uh, same concept, same everything. We're just jamming basically four albums worth of art into two albums now. But right. like originally, it was like going to be four uh, one sided twelve inches. <laughs> so I mean, it still works. You know, just have an EP aside and uh, just cram in extra art and pay more money for that to get printed. But yeah, no, nothing. We just kind of kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, it's kind of cool like that. Like we were like, we're not going to play a show until we're ready. Uh, we're not going to play a show until we have music on the table, which was the limited edition run stuff we did earlier. And, uh, you know, our first official release is uh, full length. Right on. And uh, to me, that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely ambitious. Yeah, we, we're nothing if not ambitious with with Anchorus, uh in a lot of ways, and you know our concepts and all that, and just trying to just trying to tie everything together. And as I said, it's like it's like basically also like this might be my last project. I don't know. This might be Brandon's. Like I don't know. Like we're none of us are like you know, 18 or 20 or even, you know, like, so you, you kind of want to do everything that you maybe didn't get a chance to do in, in previous bands, right? Whether it's, you know, explore doing like interconnected concepts throughout different releases or hiding them and seeing if people can find them or, or whatever, you know, and just, you know, and learning, like I said, learning from your mistakes, like, Hey, we're not going to play a show until we actually have, music in some form on the table like but every band every band i've ever been in has played a show before they had music right up until this one and that's always a mistake because people are like hey i like if someone likes your band you should have something for them to purchase if someone likes you enough to want to purchase in this day and age you should you better make sure something's there right or available sure so do you have any touring plans or anything like that coming up? Any Anything down here that in the States or through Canada or anything like that? Um, yes and no. We're kind of, uh, we're, we're working on a European jaunt uh, next year that we're, we're already organizing. Um, we've already started playing out of Toronto and stuff, and uh, we'll continue to. But with, with the record coming, we're going to have to obviously play out more to sell them hopefully. And, uh, but America's hard, dude, as you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't book uh, a tour where it was just like headlining. Like I would definitely want to hook up with someone before I, I tried to tackle America. Like about 10 years ago when I was with his murder and, um, you know, they were a New York band and they toured America a bunch of times, you know, they're a really good band in my opinion. And I'm always surprised that someone hasn't signed them because that's a total package band, in my opinion, Mika's Murder. But uh, check them out. But uh, yeah, even then, I was going out with them. It was still a struggle. So I wouldn't, I would not 
try to tackle the states in a touring sense without hooking up with someone first. So that's kind of a goal I have with this album is the album comes out, we send in it, we become hopefully slightly more known and can hook up with uh, maybe some American friends and, and, and make that happen. Whereas it's a little different in going to Europe at our level where you can actually go and play to people even if they don't know you or, or, you know, even if it's just you and you're headlining, you know, you can hit some of the major underground fests and, you know, play a lot of the more anarchist spots and, and people will be there where in the States it's like, obviously, you know, you've toured the States. Yeah. <laughs> Probably more time, uh, like how many times. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely on the agenda to get to the States, but it's not an immediate goal because, I'm not going to like book a tour where we play the bar staff because, you know, who wants that at this point? Yeah, it's just not, you know, it's not diligent these days to do that. So, yeah, it makes sense. But, um, yeah, like once we get a little, I mean, we have a video that's going to be premiering on Cult Nation, you know, cool. where I got this record coming out that might live stream somewhere. So, I mean, the, the more notoriety we can get, the better. And then if, if definitely hook up with someone from the States to do the States tour is kind of my plan. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously offer them reciprocation and, and that we can set up shit in Canada. And, uh, but yeah, our, our main goal right now is uh, record out, play more out of Toronto, sell record and uh, setting up Europe. So when is this uh, video on cult nation drop? Do you have a date for that? That people could keep an eye out for uh, it? Um, I honestly don't know. Like, obvious. Uh, that's that's a publicist question. Uh, close to the. Re- I I would say it's probably like going to be really like it would be much closer to release date of the record. So which some, is, uh, sometime uh, in November. Sometime in November of, uh, of November. Okay. And then, uh, so if people wanted to check you out online, do you guys have all the outlets like, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of jazz? Um, we're on Facebook right now. Uh, what did I put on Facebook? I don't even know what our Facebook address is. It's probably just like facebook.com backslash like Anchorage. Um, We're on Facebook and we uh, were, th- you know, uh, uh, Idiotech just uh did an exclusive stream on one of our tracks, Seven Sorrows. So we are, um, like, music's being disseminated various, through various, like, uh, I guess, promotional means. But, like, until closer to release date, the whole album won't be available to stream or anything, I guess. You know, because we're doing that thing where we're trying to get some exclusive streams and exclusive yeah, this and that. And kind of shoots yourself in the foot if the record's already online. Yeah. yeah. What about Instagram? That's like the big platform everyone loves these days. I see people walking at the telephone poles and all that stuff while looking at Instagram. Um, haven't actually done Instagram yet. Probably, I don't know, I'm a Luddite in a lot of ways. Probably should look into that, bands, bands like that. Yeah, there's a the absurd, the absurd amount of art we have. It probably makes sense. Legions of people out there almost getting hit by cars and not paying attention to where they're going. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's like, see it every day, man. Instagram. I, people walking with their phones. I, you know, it's always good to see someone biking while talking on their phone with, you know, headphones in. That's like the trifecta of going to get hit by a car. And, uh, vaping too. And vaping. Yeah. Like if you can, if you can hit the Holy Trinity, uh, of trying to get hit by a car. I think I might be the guy who'll hit you in the car, actually, if you're vaping, checking Instagram, or riding a bike at the same time. <laughs> You'd be the guy in the car, though. Yeah, there'll be a, you'll you'll you might see a gray van actually uh, <laughs> encroaching on that person. So, well, you know, I would salute you, sir. Yeah. So now we have this. Um, we try to do something fun. I did this uh, something similar with Randy from Cable a couple episodes back, where uh, Randy and I had this. You know, the, we both came up with these playlists and just trying to figure out the best way to do it. And uh, this time around, what we're doing is uh, you put together a playlist and there's going to be a companion file that's going to be out there. Just that's just going to be on the Mixcloud um, page, which a lot of people listen to it on Mixcloud. And there'll be links on the Everything Went Black Media um, 
you know, uh, episode notes to get to it. So you want to just take us through your playlist here, maybe three songs at a time, kind of like list the songs, what you like about them, you know, that kind of thing. Um, sure. Okay. Uh, so I put together a playlist as I was instructed to, <laughs> um, my first three, my, my first three tracks were, uh, buzz oven. I'm willing to explain, uh, little seeds by a band called Titan, which I may have mentioned. And uh, Turk 182 by uh, another band I may have mentioned called Dead Guy. And uh, I don't know. It was weird. It was weird trying to come up with stuff because I'm like, dude, what am I trying to get across? Like, am I trying to get across influences of the band? Am I trying to get across stuff I like? And, yeah, just stuff you like. And in the end, I just kind of went like, ah, screw it. I put like stuff I liked with some like some of our pr- basically all uh, – one of uh, like a track from each of our previous bands in a self-promoting way. Like, no, that's yes, cool, man. It's good. Of, of dead bands that aren't around anymore instead of promoting the band I'm in. But I mean, Buzz Oven are like, uh, to me, Buzz Oven are, are uh, they're, they're violence. They, you know, they're the, the legends of, of I Hate God and, and Buzz Oven and Neurosis Touring back in the 90s are, you know, probably exaggerated at this point but you know like getting in fights with towns and having people chase them out but you know there's obviously some truth there <laughs> especially when you have two bands like as confrontational as uh you know say like i hate god and buzz oven and uh, they've always been one of my favorite bands ever buzz oven and you know this is a song i picked called i'm willing to explain from sore which is the record before they kind of went a little more, you know, Southern groove, I hate Gotti, when it's just like either pure chaos, punk, you know, or feedback. And uh, Little Seeds by this band called Titan. Titan were a Toronto band, and they were known for being very heavy and uh, a little slow. And uh, Little Seeds is, is actually one of my favorite tracks because it... it uh, just has a really good chorus in it. Uh, I shouldn't even say chorus because uh, most metal bands don't actually use choruses, but it has a, a really good hook where it uses the title. And uh, Titan were always one of my favorite bands to play with in Toronto, and uh, that was my favorite Titan song. Um, Turk 182 by Dead Guy from uh, Screaming with the Dead Guy Quintet. You know, people talk shit, be like, oh, Screaming with the Dead Girl Quintet because this was after Tim Singer and uh, Keith left the guitarist and, and original singer on Fixation. But, you know, I, I always like DP. I don't know if I like it better, but it's definitely, because it's kind of two different bands, but it's definitely, uh, you know, Dead Guy are changed hardcore for me, period. Full stop, you know. Or aggressive music, or, or whatever, because, you know, calling them a hardcore band is kind of a disservice. Um, you know, I think they changed it for a lot of people. And uh, just a band that could, like, be that technical, yet be that, you know, freak out, violent, live, and, but, you know, that air of chaos, but still, like, add an air of technicality to hardcore that, uh, you know, really didn't exist before that. And I mean, now every like you know, even the most rote hardcore band is has some technical aspect to them, unless they're doing full on throwback. But you know, like back in the '90s, it was like there was Moshcore, there was like Guilt, <laughs> there was Bloodlet doing their own thing, and then there was Dead Guy, who just basically, to me, just turned hardcore on its ear. You know, no Dead Guy, no Converge, no Dillinger. You know. But no one knows Dead Guy anymore. They're, they've fallen they've fallen off the radar of the kids. Um, those are the first three songs. Uh, I will continue. The next three are uh, a band I used to be in called Villa Pen because, again, you know, just want to represent uh, all our members' previous efforts in Anchris. Um, tracks called Fool's Gold. It's from a, a mixtape that A389 put out. It's not from our record. It was the last track we ever uh, recorded. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
I, I liked it. It's a good song. It was written about a very particular person who uh, may or may not have committed suicide and was relatively well-known in uh, the underground metal scene and the Canadian metal scene. And it's kind of always uh, been an interesting track to me just because of the way, like, I don't know. People like to rewrite history and without getting too cryptic, being there and knowing what actually happened as opposed to other people's views now of what happened is, is, is very entertaining to me in, in a way. But now I'm getting off topic. Uh, it's a really good song. That's why it's on there. It's the best damn song we ever wrote because it was the last song we ever wrote. Um, then there's a Graf Orlock track called uh, Game Time. I freaking love Graf Orlock. They're one of the bands that I, you know, when you got to do one of those silly recommended if you like things for Anchorage, uh one of them I put up is Graf Warlock. And, uh, you know, back when they had their original singer, who I also like better than their new singer, although I like their new singer, but, you know, I just, the other dude's voice was screamier to me, so I liked it better. And, uh, yeah, Graf Warlock, love them, can't get enough of them. Um, and then there's a track called In Constant Moon by a band called Cosmograd, who are uh, another Toronto band and our drummer, one of the many bands our drummer has played or played in, because as you know, if you have a drummer, he's got to be in like five or six different bands at one time, was in a Toronto band called Cosmograd and, uh, they've played a lot and, uh, uh, it's slower, obviously very different than Anchorage. And I think they're defunct now, as, as every Toronto band is. There are no more Toronto bands, by the way. Everyone just broke up. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, I guess, back to talking shit about Refused. Um, song by United Nations called uh, The Shape of Punk That Never, Ca- Never Came. And uh, why I chose that track is, uh, I don't know, it speaks to me. It speaks to me. I like United Nations, you know, it's a great deal. And uh, people can like be like, oh, the guy from Thursday's in it, whatever. But, you know, I like their politics. I like uh, how they've kept a revolving door, remember? I like how they got sued by the real United Nations. And uh, The Shape of Punk That Never Came is just kind of a letter to, to Dennis about, I guess, all of the ideals that kind of got thrown to the wayside. And uh, it... it, it it rocks. And uh, I guess the last couple. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> no. That's Harley. She barks a lot. Um, <laughs> band called Dangers. Uh, track called I'll Clap When I'm Impressed from a record called Messy, Isn't It? Um, I'm a big Dangers fan. They're, uh, I don't know, I find as I get older... Actually, I shouldn't say that. I find is, uh, you know, it's harder to get in as excited about bands as you were young. I'm sure you have this problem too, you know, just because you've seen a lot and you've done a lot and you've made a lot and you've put a lot of miles on under your under your belt. And uh, not, I don't mean it in a elitist way. It just it can't impact you the same way when you're younger and you haven't been exposed to as much stuff. So I find, you know, when a band hits me in that way that you know bands used to when i was much younger and and hadn't lived as much life or been as experienced with music and that's a good thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing uh you know it excites me and dangerous one of those bands that kind of was uh made me feel that about hardcore again um like you i've never really felt a part of the hardcore scene or the metal scene or, or any scene even though i guess i would be classified as being part of it because I played in it or, you know, other members of Anchorage have played in it or whatever. But, you know, I find scenes are very, very, scenes are very dangerous things. And uh, I like loose groups of people with common ideals versus scenes, if that makes any sense. I like the girls. uh, I like the girls better. I like the girls better in the metal scene, I think. (laughs) Um... Next track is a song called March of the Obsolete by a band called The Isosceles Project. 
which is our bassist's uh, previous project, and it is an all-instrumental band, yet the playing in it is just uh, phenomenal. There's not a lot of bands that are instrumental that uh, I think can get away with not having a singer. Maybe I'm biased being a singer, but I think there are a lot of bands that are instrumental still write songs in that in in the way that they leave a lot of space that needs something uh vocals or, or something and uh isosceles project just had some incredible players and uh could write songs that just you know you could actually if you're a musician you'd love them uh if you wanted to mosh you'd probably be bummed but <laughs> uh next band is uh Getting, getting to the end here is uh, Fuck the Facts and uh, Canadian Grindcore Metal, whatever you want to call them, Institution. Um, song is called No Return. It's from uh, Disgorge, Mexico. And uh, I don't know, Fuck the Facts is, are another one of those bands that have put in the miles and, and don't get the credit they deserve, much like, you know, whether we're talking about Tunes or Anodyne or, you know, there's always bands that you think, why, why? Don't more people know these bands? Why aren't these bands bigger, you know? And fuck the fact, even though they were on Relapse for a little while, you know, I still think they're one of those bands, and they're just, you know, uh, they're amazing, and they're Canadian, and not a lot of people, not enough people know them. Also, fuck in the name probably hurts them in some ways, because, you know, some places don't like swear words. Uh, on that note, and uh, again, because of the recommended, if you like, recommended, R-I-Y-L, recommended if you like, uh, Realm, when I had to put it together for Anchorage, one of the bands uh, that we all love is a band called Old Man Gloom, of course, um, in, you know, Old Man Gloom, members of Converge, who I love, and uh, hopefully didn't offend anyone. No, I don't think any Converge fans listen to this. Or if I did, that's, that's yeah. cool. I don't, I don't um, think anyone who listens to this podcast likes Converge, so it's cool. I love <laughs> I love a number of Converge's records. I just think that uh, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't as in love with the last couple, and I wanted to be, and I'm a little bummed out on it. But you know, maybe they'll come back with a record that just destroys next time. Uh, but Old Man Gloom. Is a band that uh, features some members and all that. And that actually keep putting out records that I think destroy and get better. So uh, the track I called, I uh, called from that, their first record, Meditations in B. Uh, a track called Sonic Wave of Bees. And uh, I don't know, in Anchorage, uh, we, we just like to mix a lot of different styles, I guess, without actually thinking about it, like... People go describe your band, and it's, you know it's the worst question you can ever ask someone in a band, even if they're just a straight up rock band. You know, no one knows how to answer that. But uh, you know, we have like bits of metal, bits of death, bits of grind, bits of hardcore, bits of electronic noise, and you know, uh, Old Man Gloom. Also, I felt not that we sound exactly like them. They do the same thing. You know, they have, they have, uh, noise tracks or, or electronic tracks or whatever. And we'll, you know, play a slow track and just, it's just do whatever they want. And, you know, that was the other thing about anchors when we got together was just, you know, uh, we can do whatever we want. It's like a lot of people don't realize that when, when they start bands or getting bands, you know, it's like you, you literally can write whatever you want. You can write a hardcore song, you can write a grindcore song, you can write a doom song, and you can play them all in the same set. It's like, you can do these, you can play them all in the same song. It's like, and a lot of people don't realize it, I guess, that you can do these things, and I don't know. To, I mean, it's, to us, it's, or to me, it's just uh, do what you want, basically, musically, because, you know, as you said, like, you're doing this for you at the end of the day, you know, obviously you want people to like what you do and you want them to buy some merch so you can put gas in the van. But, you know, if you don't do this for you, you know, when the van breaks down on the highway, it's like you, 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 you have to have, you have to believe in your band and you have to believe in what you're making musically to get you through the shit. 
because the easy part's good. Easy part's like winning, you know, winning cures everything, they always say. Like being in a band, playing, you know, full shows and not having to fight with promoters or whatever, you know, that's easy. Anyone can do that, you know. But, you know, long drives where you're, you know, have no money or didn't get your full guarantee or going to play to the bar staff where you break down the side of the road in fucking Texas, you know, like you, you have to believe in what you're doing because or else don't, that's it. You'll just go home the first time that happens. Right. That could happen to some people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if you don't believe in what you're doing, like I, I, I've seen it like, you know, it's hard. It's like, it sucks. Being in a band is hard. It sucks. But you know, it, 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 if you have to do it, then, you know, what other choice do you have? I think, you know, I think you're like that in a lot of ways too, right? Like you have to, you know, of course you have other things in your life, but there's a part of you that has to make music. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, and, and, you know, when we talk about like a neurosis band, like, you know, they obviously have to make music. They have to keep doing it even after all these years and, you know, converge still, still, you know, some bands have to do it. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess yeah. That, that's the big thing I found out was, uh, when I stopped was, uh, I had to keep doing it. A nice break here and there probably does you good though. You know? Yeah. You know, you always take a break, you know, Re- recovery, you know, from, uh, from touring from doing something, but you know, it's like, it's, you look at, I think it's more about recharging than, uh, breaking, I think is how it, you should look at those things. Yeah. I could be wrong. No, I, I tend also to sometimes need, you know, a little time apart, you know, you get three, four or five, six, whatever it is in a really small van. Need some, need some decompression. One last thing, man. Uh, you failed to mention that Aaron Turner is also in, uh, in old man gloom. <laughs> oh, I totally, totally dis Aaron. Aaron's, yeah, Aaron, you know, Aaron Turner is in old man gloom. I forgot, yeah, you know. uh, to mention him, which is funny because, uh, actually like he's one of the guys I, uh, not that I thought Hydrahead would put out records cause they don't put out records anymore. They just reissue stuff. I sent him, uh, the Anchorage, uh, record, the Victoria Janium, uh, LP digitally to check out. And, you know, I've known Aaron forever. I stayed at Hydrahead back in the Boston days, um, back in their glory days of, uh, metallic hardcore when they were putting out music, the kids loved, um, so yeah, how could I forget Aaron? I honestly don't know. I'm yeah. I'm sorry, Aaron. <laughs> the, uh, you know, it's funny. I love Aaron. Another, I another, love Aaron. another thing too. I love is, Aaron. Uh, I don't know how I could forget him. Is that, I know generally the impression is that Hydrahead is no longer putting out new records. However, they are putting out a new record fairly soon. They're putting out the new Oxbow record. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's some so like insider actually- info that, is probably public by now, but yeah. So they're going to be doing another record soon. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's great. Uh, Oxbow. Oxbow are always one of those bands that, they're they're another live band that you, uh, that are an experience, you know? Like all the tales of, uh, what's the singer's name? Choking people out or or whatever live back in the day. That would be uh, Eugene Robinson. Eugene, that's it. I know Eugene. I follow him on a bunch of stuff because he's hilarious. But, uh, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, Aaron. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Yeah. So but yeah, there's a, uh, you know, there's tons of stuff I forgot to talk about. I forgot to talk about <laughs> the whole like Beksinski thing for our record and. The concepts and all that, and I just started talking shit about people. So, so uh, thank, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for joining us this evening, and um, you know, pretty stoked about uh, you know the the mixtape and all that, and you know, good luck with the new record. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, quickly wrap it up. Yeah, we- uh, our record comes out November nineteenth, and Chris is our name. Uh, the record is called Victoria Janium, and it's uh, two parts of a four-part series. And uh, all the lyrics, every song for each uh, part of it are based on a single painting by an artist called uh, 
Zetislav, uh, Zetislav, excuse me, Beksinski. And, uh, the, so every song correlates to one of his paintings. And, uh, the cool thing about him was that he never, uh, titled or explain, he'd refuse to title or explain any of his art. So, um, so every time, so it's free, right? You basically, I get music and then I choose a photo that I, or a painting, I think, you know, fits that and then kind of write about that painting or whatever it inspires. And then bam, lyrics. And, uh, the original four part thing was we were doing a kind of a quadrilogy thing, uh, take on the four horsemen of the apocalypse thing. Uh, you know, but instead of it calling like death, war, famine, cause you know, that's pretty metal, but it's also pretty basic, you know? So like Victoria actually means uh, conquest and, uh, Geonium means famine. Uh, the next two will be, uh, Bellum, which is war and, uh, Ocasis, which is, uh, death. And, uh, you know, we'll continue the theme. Everything is based all lyrically. Everything is based on, uh, the works of, uh, Beksinski and, uh, it's cool. It's one of those things where it's like conceptually, if I do my job correctly, people will be able to, you know, listen to the song and get something out of it. Even, you know, uh, it's not like a concept record where, where you're like, yes, we followed the trail to the dungeon where we fought the dragon of, you know, whatever. Like, hopefully if people will listen to it and they just want to scream along or think and try to have it be about a bad relationship or, or something, you know what I mean? If I did my job correctly, they can still do that. But if they uh, figure out the painting, it goes along with hopefully that, you know, that kind of expands it and stuff like that. We always thought was cool. Brandon and I, when we were starting out, um, so that, you know, just, uh, I mentioned follow the Pfeffera cause the artist for that band did, did all the art for, uh, our entire series we got coming up, but you know, they uh, they did a three uh, album cycle on uh, fuck oh it's gonna kill me now that I can't remember it on uh, a very well known book and it's now totally slipping through my brain and I'm an idiot because I can't remember it but uh, you know so conceptually we were looking for something to do that maybe wasn't traditional, you know, everyone writes a concept record about a book or a movie or, or something. So, you know, we figured, uh, just, you know, I was a big fan of Beksinski, a big fan of his work. And I thought I could write enough songs based on the number of paintings he had that, that it would, uh, that it would work conceptually. And, uh, so far it has, but, you know, again, if people just want to scream along and the scream along parts, I fully encourage that. Right on, man. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And, um, that, that was my actual talk about the record part after I didn't actually talk about the record or band at all. Hey man, 